training is you know a really hot topic and always has been really because you're trying to make sure that people understand expectations and have the resources to comply hello thank you for joining us this is what counts a podcast created by trailblazer consulting here we highlight proven solutions developed through our experience working with companies across various industries and we talk about how you can apply these solutions to your company we share our experience solving information management challenges like creating and implementing a records retention schedule creating an asset data hierarchy or helping with email management. Hi, everybody. We're here today for a third discussion, third or fourth, uh, in our series on change management. And we have Donna Vitale from Three Great Questions joining us again today. And what I wanted to pick up on in this episode is training. So we've spent a lot of time on communications, two-way communications and different ways to engage. And now I'd like to talk about the training piece of the change management space. Don. Thanks. Yeah, this is a great topic and near and dear to my heart because especially in the ethics and compliance world, uh, training is you know a really hot topic and always has been really because you're trying to make sure that people understand expectations and have the resources to comply before you're taking action and saying, you're not complying. What are we going to do about that? So there is you know, a whole lot to how you can do training and it, and it is a really broad range and it, it really depends on not only what your workforce is like, but also what kind of messages you want to give and how you think people can hear those messages best. So, you know, one of the parts of that tool set is computer-based training and which is great because you can track it and you can be very precise about the information you put out there. And so plenty of organizations do, you know, like an annual training for ethics and compliance or, or for other things that they need to do health and safety is one and people will take that. And you, there is so much technology around how you can measure how they engage and uh, making sure that they're actually completing it and not just clicking through and, and you can really get a lot of mileage out of that, but it doesn't work for everything. And it is very time consuming. So from a programmatic perspective, if you're doing it, you are probably doing it because you want to demonstrate that, you know, you're giving everybody everything they need, but you also want to demonstrate that they actually engaged then. And if that's the case, then you're really, you know, looking at other things that go along with it, like driving that completion rate through contests and competitions, uh, you know, to see if different business units can finish fast enough. And, There's just like a whole program that goes around getting people to actually complete that kind of computer-based training. And some of the more digestible methods are to do live training, which people, you know, then get in a room, presumably in a room or in a a chat group specifically if it's online, but, but not on demand, it's actually live. And you can have people engage a lot more and... So they are engaging with the content, but they can, in many cases, also ask questions about it and they can learn from each other. And if you you're using interesting things like good examples in the training, they, it's really good. They're talking about it when they get out, they're talking about it when they go home and they eat dinner with their families. They're talking about the examples they heard. And can you believe this? And all of that reinforces the learning. So it's, you know, you really get a lot of different mileage out of that. 
I love that. Uh, actually, I kind of like the contest thing too. The the expense and the time to do good enterprise wide computer based training is real, and so that cost benefit analysis is is a question. If you're going to do an annual ethics and compliance training and it's a big ticket item in terms of the risk that you're trying to mitigate, absolutely. If you're talking about implementing a new expense reporting system, maybe not. Maybe you're not going to go that far. You might have standard computer-based training that the vendor offers, but that live training with real examples, I think, is easier to implement in many cases. The sidetrack that you took me down was training that sticks with you that you talk about when you go home. And at least at least Lee and I attended, and I can't remember, Donna, if you were with us or not, a training uh, way back when, at, when a, a company we all worked at together, the orchestra training where you- I missed to that. Because I keep, I know I talk about it. Yeah. You've probably heard me talk about it, where we were- a bunch of, you know, kind of the, the lowest level of executive leader in this company. And there were 2000 people in this training all brought together for the first time. And we had a symphony orchestra conductor there. And, a, and the training was centered around how a conductor is always ready for whichever part of the orchestra needs him or her and looks at the woodwinds when it's their turn, looks at the flute when it's their turn. Every musician is an expert on their own, but when you listen to the musicians play without a leader, it's muddy and it doesn't work and they can't come together. But when you add the conductor, they bring the pieces together and it builds much more than the individual pieces. As a metaphor for leadership, it has stuck with me. That was, I don't know, 2006? I think when we attended that training, do you remember Lee out in Reston? The impact of the sound change when the conductor was there versus when the musicians who were individually phenomenal, but when they came together without a leader. So that training in terms of long-term impact was huge. Last year, I did uh, a, a multitude of trainings around implementing an email management system. And I did 12 enterprise-wide webinars uh, where there was no interaction. There was interaction through the chat system, people asking questions. And I had two people watching the chats and feeding me the questions while I was talking through the, the slides, which was exhausting, but we did get some specific questions answered. And then we put them out in an FAQ and we updated that every time. But we supplemented those enterprise-wide sort of push trainings with individuals and small groups where we could have their specific examples and talk about their specific problems in the world of email management. Um, and I think the combination was, uh, was good. And we recorded those big enterprise-wide webinars so people could go and listen to them again. We tried to hit all those possibilities of push and pull and on-demand Given the fact that this was not going to be an ongoing need, we weren't investing in a huge training program that was going to stick around forever at this company. So trying to take, take up what we could learn from those other examples and bring them into that environment. 
So everybody's been through training. I don't think we need to go more deeply into training, but as we've been working through this change management arc here, one of the things that has occurred to me is we haven't said who the audience is or what role the audience plays in your figuring out what's the best approach for change management, for communications, for training, and, and how to go about figuring that out. Or, and should we? Is it important? Or do we just blast things out and hope for the best? Yeah, that's actually a great question. And I'm glad you asked it because I had been thinking about this the other day that, you know, the worst case scenario is that you end up with somebody who is handling the change management and they're extremely knowledgeable and extremely smart, but they don't have empathy for where anybody else is in the organization. So they, they know all the stuff to put in, you know, the, the communications, like from a very detailed perspective, uh, but they don't understand where people are actually starting from. And so what the change management journey should be for them. I think the, the audience is really important. And I think, I think the audience should be broader than, you know, it, there's an, this idea in some cases where you can reach to leadership and then just have them cascade information down. And that works for a lot of things. But I think there does have to be a consistency in messaging across a broad spectrum. And so to the extent that you can get everybody to a certain baseline and then you can identify different pockets of the organization that actually need a different level of information. Then you can really tailor what people get and then you're not overwhelming them. So they're getting information that they should care about that matters to them. And then they know that when you reach out to them with this information or this training, that it, it is gonna be relevant, that they do need to take the time to do it. I think that's important. I think that's a perfect um, description of stakeholder analysis and the reason for it. So stakeholder analysis, understanding your audiences, understanding that you have more than one audience. And in any change effort, there will be different impacts based on people's roles or their positions, their geographic locations may all have a different impact. And that analysis step that happens first, we talk, we're talking about it last, but it happens first is it sets the stage for all the decisions that you make in communications and training and in contests or in other fun ideas for getting people ready for change. All with the goal of making your change at the most successful that it can be. Right. And I think stakeholder analysis is a perfect concept to make sure you're covering because it's not just your internal stakeholders and that's you know it's really it's really external stakeholders too even if your initiatives are internal initiatives they may impact the way people interact with customers or the time people can give customers employees may not have the bandwidth to handle certain things where they may have diff a different level of insight than they used to have based on the changes so really looking at all of your stakeholders and understanding who's impacted and, and what the magnitude of that would be. And I feel like, you know, on the records and information management side, that that is a key component, like having the right data to actually be able to do that stakeholder analysis when it's broader than just your employees, that actually can be key. 
having the right data. See, you, you were getting to a question that was kind of tumbling around in my head, and that is, how do you review the progress of change management? How do you assess the impact of all these trainings and, and communications and so forth? Any ideas? Yeah, yeah I mean, it depends on... <laughs> oh, sorry, did you... We all have ideas, we but you go have... first. <laughs> I mean... I can tell you one thing is that, that a lot of companies use is that, you know, sort of immediate sort of survey based, what did you learn? You know, how do you feel more comfortable with what you're using? Do you feel like this is an improvement? Would you have any other suggestions? You know, those kinds of sort of polling and surveys are actually effective, but depending on how you're using it, if you're using the change management to affect, you know, for example, in ethics and compliance, if you're trying to get people to report concerns or to behave in a different way or to access different resources, you can actually use metrics around your caseload, your reporting methodology. Did a the um, volumes of calls coming in through new channels that you advertised act, actually uptick do or or is the nature of the cases that you're seeing different um, if you're looking at people getting trained on a certain new process did that result in fewer calls to your support center to help them through that. Um, so seeing, looking at the kind of metrics that will tell you whether you're making a difference or not, that can be part of your change management plan to assess, assess whether the training is effective or not. I like that idea of defining metrics and then actually collecting the data along the way. Like this is what the metric is today. This is what we'd want the metric to be when we're finished. And collecting it at various points to see if we're making the progress we wanna make because that can give you a mid-course correction, right? If your metric is a lower call volume and you're halfway through your change process and your call volume's gone up, that's a problem. (laughs) It's an early indicator of a problem, something like that. And I feel like it's important also to, to do those with the subject matter experts that can give you guidance on those particular me- metrics and what they can mean. So for example, in ethics and compliance, like you could say, okay, well, we're training people to behave better. So we hope that we get fewer calls. Well, not necessarily, you know, you're encouraging a speak up culture. The number of calls might not be a bad thing. That may actually be a good thing. People believe you're going to take action if they speak up. So understanding what specifically in the metrics to look for, um, instead of just trying to get some raw metrics and make the raw volumes and make them meaningful, having the experts in the room with you to, to make sure you're looking at the right thing is important. I agree. And we're talking here about metrics that will measure the impact of the change, not metrics that measure the change management program. So it's not, we send out 15 emails or we did 25 trainings. It's, we sent out 15 emails, we did 25 trainings and we can see that people are filing things in the right place, that our filing numbers have gone, our filing percentages have gone from 2% of people putting documents in the right place to 50% of people putting documents in the right place. Okay, 50% is not enough. How do we get the next 50 or the next 48 or whatever? So it's, but the target of the metric is 
the change itself, not the activity, even though it's so much easier to measure activity. But that is a whole different world, a whole different topic around um, KPIs, key performance indicators, and measuring impact of programs and impact of success and measuring your business. So I don't want to go any deeper into that on this episode around change management. I agree. I think we covered enough. Thank you very, very much, Donna, for your time. Appreciate everything you've done. Thank you. It's been great. Thanks, Donna. And we have we have touched the surface. I think we've gone a good in a good um, couple of different directions for around change management, communications, training, measurement, stakeholder analysis. And as you, our listeners, are building your information governance program, I hope that some of these ideas will spark new ideas. And we would love to hear from you about the way you've tried change management and how it's worked for you. So Lee will tell you how to get in touch with us. If you have any questions, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com or look us up on the web at www.trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune in to our next episode. Also, if you like this episode, please share it with people in your social media network. This will help us get the podcast out to a wider audience and allow us to help more people. As always, we appreciate you, the listeners. Special thanks goes out to Jason Blake, who created our intro music.